Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Train Happy Troopers, and welcome back to the Train Happy Podcast. My name is Tally Rye, and I am so thrilled to have you back, or perhaps to have you here for the first time. Today, I'm joined by an old friend in the fitness industry and in the online space, um, and someone who I really respect, and that is trainer and online creator, Lucy Mountain. Now, Lucy, um, similarly to me, has gone on a real personal and professional evolution in the way that she chooses to approach fitness and talk about food and nutrition and body image. And we got really into kind of what influenced Lucy to um, move into the anti-diet space and, you know, what were her reasoning for making that transition and um, kind of understanding what diet culture is and choosing to do things a different way. So I really hope you enjoy our discussion because, you know, we put the world to rights for the kind of hour we were chatting. But before we get into that, it is time for our train happy trooper of the week so each week i love to hear from you um, and hear your personal stories of how you are finding your train happy moments and how you're having these light bulb moments on your own journeys but this week i wanted to do something a bit different because i asked everyone on uh, instagram recently to share their train happy moments from the new years and i just wanted to share some of the highlights of that so i'm keeping everyone anonymous but here are some lovely responses that i got so first up finding groove again giving home workouts a try and actually loving breaking the mental block another person Yoga and not feeling guilty about having gentler days when needed. Some days I just breathe. We also had understanding the power of rest days and walks meant my run today felt so comfortable. Yes, we really need to talk about rest on this podcast, but we'll save that for another episode. Another one, not holding to the new year guilt of having to jump straight into hardcore cardio sessions. Yes, I feel like there's so much pressure at the moment and it's so good when you can really take this at your own pace and trust yourself because we all know that to maintain um, a happy relationship with movement long term, we do it at our own pace. And do you know what? I'm going to finish it there. I think that's a lovely note to finish our train happy moments section on. So if you have a train happy moment and you would like to share your story with me and the listeners, then please email in your story to trainhappypodcast at gmail.com. That is in the information box for this episode. But you can also send it in a direct message to at trainhappypodcast on Instagram. And we'd love to hear from you there as well. All right enough of me let's hear from the brilliant lucy mountain lucy welcome to the train happy podcast thank you so much for joining me how are you doing this january thank you for having me um i i'm just saying i feel like i'm just in a state of um acceptance in the situation we are in and i am just pushing through basically so i'm okay i'm i'm meh i'm just meh <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that's a, a fair assessment. And we were saying, because I always like to chat to people before we officially press record. And we were both kind of saying like, I don't know, when you say you're fine, it can be, I'm fine for, for what I have to deal with. Like, I'm here, I'm still going. But it can mean a range of emotions, I think. Yeah, 100%. It's like, this is shit. However, we're just going to get on with it. We are, we are. Um, and I suppose for those of you listening who are new to Lucy and Lucy's work, do you want to just 
maybe share a bit about yourself, your work with knobs, maybe explain what knobs is and where it came from. Um, and yeah, just give everyone a bit of context and background. Yes. So um, I guess I kind of do two things. My my main thing is knobs in that um, I'm an online PT and I essentially make training programs for my community that are not weight focused. Um, but beyond that, we've just created a really great, amazing community of humans together. And um, that's where I see my role. However, when people come across me, they just kind of assume that I'm just an influencer and I do Instagram, which is part of what I do as well. Um, and I make content which is around partly debunking fitness and nutrition myths, but also kind of shedding, uh, bringing a bit of humor to the way that we digest health and fitness information um, on Instagram and kind of just poking fun a little bit at people, not directly, but just kind of a general Instagram culture um, is what I would say. Yeah, adding a bit of sarcasm when it's definitely needed. Yeah, just a little bit. And how long, so we've known each other, I mean, probably like four or five years at this point. Um, well, I, I think we met each other years ago at an event, um, which would maybe be when I first moved to London. So maybe six or seven years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, and we've definitely both been, I would say, on a massive like professional evolution in terms of maybe both our stances and health and fitness and how we choose to approach stuff um what were what were you like in your early days of like your own personal and professional fitness journey for want of a better phrase we love that hashtag fitness journey um I think I, I still say it unironically to be fair because I love it I need there to be another I need there to be a good alternative that's not so cringy but <laughs> <laughs> no I like it I appreciate it I think um Gosh, my well, my personal journey is very much rooted in um, traditional things that teenage women go through, unfortunately, which are, you know, bad body image, comparing myself to other women, restricting my eating. Fortunately, I never suffered with a, an eating disorder. However, I did adopt a lot of disordered eating habits. Um, but for, you know, my late teens to early 20s, it was all very normalized in that I never identified having a problem or negative relationship with food because that was just what everyone was doing. And it was just the way that was just what it meant to pursue health and fitness. So um, when I started my hashtag fitness journey on Instagram, um, a lot of what I spoke about, in fact, the funny thing about it is that when I started my account, I treated my account like it was a um, an official blog. I even called it fashion fitness food official. That was the name of it. Um, and I would give fitness and health information, but all of the information was just regurgitated, uh, bad advice essentially around cutting carbs, cutting out these, um, unnatural sugars, all this kind of crap. And, um, the evolution kind of has been documented on Instagram in that I've got a whole history of posts which stem back from seven years ago to now um where my approach has really changed um but you know it it did start with that classic um I didn't want to say early 2000s vibe but you know health and fitness in 2014 2013 was a very different place to what it is today and um back in the day I was very immersed in all of the fads and all of the misinformation, really. Ditto. Um, I always think back to that time. And personally, I really found fitness online in the form of more like bodybuilding style approach to fitness and exercise. And I think that's why a lot of us um, influencers and, and fitness people who've been around that long generally tend to um, lean towards more like weight-based training. I think like that's kind of where that seed was planted um but a lot of it was like tupperware foods yes. like food was just eating out of tupperware because it, it's like morally better when it's in tupperware um and this idea of training intensely you know doing a bodybuilding split where you did different yeah. every day. I don't know if that was your experience too uh tricep day uh yes. calf day yeah loved it all um and how would you say 
I want to get into it a little bit later on in terms of like chatting about where you're at now, but just in contrast now, would you say, um, I don't know, what has, what does your approach to fitness and food and all of that kind of look like now? So back in the day, obviously it was very, it, it was all about removing, right? It was about removing things that I was eating to therefore enhance my health. So it was removing stuff. Um, being brutally honest right now, I don't really think about food that much. And I know that sounds quite weird because all I post about on Instagram is food. Um, but it's that I'm kind of at a place now where I'm no longer angry at um, what I've been through. You know, when I was first discovering, oh my God, I don't need to restrict. I don't need to eat out of Tupperware. I don't need to do this. I don't need to meal prep. I don't need to cut carbs. I spent a lot of time feeling very angry about what I'd been told. Um, and that kind of still guided my eating habits in that I still felt very um, hard done by. And now I would say it's it's intuitive eating in that I don't really have to think about it. I just think, what do I want? I'm going to have it. Um, but, you know, I think it's it's something I don't think about that often now. Um, and actually, when I make my Instagram content, I... I sometimes have to go into the explore feed to see what is out there to then inspire me to write my content because back then I used to make content based on, yeah, I got told this and now that's not the case and I want to share this with you. Because I don't surround myself in that world anymore um, and I'm not around that misinformation, I have to purposefully inspire myself to then make my content. Um, so that's been a bit of a journey, but I would... I'm so grateful that that's the case now rather than still having to be directly impacted by people in my life or, you know, the industry of itself. It sounds like the stages of grief when you go through, you know, that initial like the anger and now you're getting towards the kind of living with and being able to, like you say, have a much, much calmer um, relationship with food where it's kind of not controlling you anymore, not consuming you even if it's consuming with the anger, it's not consuming in the same way. Um, mm -hmm. And it's so interesting how um, we talk about, I think there's a lot, that there, there always feels like a lot of anger and resentment when you first discover what diet culture is, um, what, like you say, the lies you've been told, the lies you've been fed. Um, and I think that's a really important part of the kind of, healing process of stepping away and and you know like you say anger and I think it's Kimberly Wilson who we've had on the podcast before um and you know Kimberly from Food and Psych yes. and she did a brilliant podcast on anger um and and basically saying that anger is an important emotion for us to feel and it's it comes from a place of feeling a sense of injustice mm -hmm. and I think there is definitely a sense of injustice when you first discover that I was, you know, like you say, removing all these different foods and that wasn't actually the source of the problem or I was doing these things with a promise and the promise was a lie. Mm -hmm. mm. I love that. And I, I, it's, it's a concept I, you can apply to anything, right? It could be when we're talking about weighing scales, you know, you go through a fuck the weighing scales moment, hate weighing scales, throw them out, bash, you know. Um, and, you know, for some people, they're so far past that they can have it in their house, but they just don't even touch it. It's something that's they've not stepped on in five years. It's just in the cupboard. And, you know, same with um, it's same with anything, really. I think the anger stage for me, I needed to have it. I needed to have that anger. And I believe though you can't hold on to it because the more you hold on to it, it's still having power over you. Um, I talked about this in in an email a couple of days ago, actually, in that whilst you're still angry at something, you are still thinking about it. And it's very similar to getting over a horrible ex-boyfriend in that if you're constantly thinking about them in a negative way, even though you're, you know, you think, oh, I hate them. I'd never get back with them. Can't believe they did this to me. They're still consuming your, they're, they're taking up space in your head. So 
you want to get to that place eventually. It might take time. It might take a couple of years, but you want to get to that place where you're just, it's not even on your mind. You're just like, meh, you're indifferent to it. Yes. And going with the relationship analogy, um, I'm going to steal another analogy from a podcast I heard years ago about the kind of breaking up with diet culture idea. Mm -hmm. And they were discussing that breaking up with diet culture is like, um, leaving an abusive relationship and they say I think they the, the kind of statistic is for some people it takes them seven attempts to finally cut ties with that toxic person and I think the same can be said for that breaking up with diet culture because it's very alluring and it, once again you know you're like okay I've had enough of being part of this dieting club and then you're like so I'm I'm anti you know I'm not gonna do that again and then this other thing comes along that's, you know, is a diet in a different disguise, basically, mm-hmm. and is a lifestyle change. I saw you. Know, <laughs> yeah. change, and you're like, okay, what? Because, I mean, I say this as someone who absolutely did it. Um, I didn't count calories, but I did a lot of things that were, were dieting behaviors without, but if I didn't count calories, I wasn't dieting. But I did other things instead. So um, I don't, I'm thinking of an example of um, I used to wear a fitness watch and it used to tell me how many calories I burned a day. And then that's what I would allow myself to eat. And I wouldn't necessarily be super accurate, but I would know from years of calorie counting. And that may seem relatively harmless, but that that for me was a disordered behavior that meant that I was still holding on to a to I may have seen through some parts of diet culture but other parts were still Mm. luring me back in Mm. and you kind of you kind of know it as well don't you but you tell yourself no but I'm because I'm not tracking my my food intake it's fine even though you know that it's still doing it's still feeding the same outcome um but you become very good at telling yourself oh no it's not because of this um and even for me I look back at my content from a year and a half ago and in my head I was thinking about this the other day I was thinking about being anti-diet and I was thinking in my head what was the transition where I sat down and and said to myself I'm not going to focus on weight loss I'm not going to share fat loss tips with my audience I don't want to have that impact that's not the space I want to occupy um and I was like oh it's the first knobs guide so it must be you know two years ago but it's not because when you go to my content it's still somewhat rooted in um a fixation on calories um and it's so funny me watching reading that back because um whilst it wasn't as directly harmful I was still focusing on calorie content as a really essential thing you should be thinking about regard and I'd dress it up sometimes and be like you know if you want to if you want to lose weight or if you want to gain weight but you know ultimately what I'm saying is I I'm talking about weight loss um and I'm talking about topics which people wanted I thought people wanted to hear about which they do that's not wrong but again um it's not the space I want to occupy now um so I think you just become very good at when you're immersed in diet culture you become very good at tricking yourself as well into thinking that you're far removed from it but you're still not it's still there and it has such a lasting impression and it it can take years to fully escape it as a as you said and I think that's okay. Like, that's not to say that that's a bad thing. It does take time to kind of literally see through the layers that this yeah. stuff, because it goes really deep and mm. you, and yeah, you're kind of like peeling it back layer by layer. And then you're, yeah, there's, I similarly look back at content from two, three years ago. And once again, there were things I was saying that, um you know I still stand by now but there are other things I'm like oh but you know that was a thinly veiled attempt at controlling your body or that was a thinly veiled attempt at you know being scared of gaining weight or all Mm. those things um let's talk about some of these things that this is not calling people out because I, I I think it's just helping people listening just to kind of have a bit of a 
awareness of like the red flags to look out for in content because like I saw a TikTok video today where a guy was saying like um you know the kind of usual myth busting in fitness you know you can spot reduce nope you can um you should be working out super intensely nope you should you know you have to be exhausted for your workout to be effective nope now I say a lot of these things um but the difference in the way I would talk about it versus what the way this person talking about the TikTok video was the person TikTok video was then gonna say if you're doing these things that's not the most effective way to lose fat to get your transformation and follow my plan and my ways (laughs) of doing this because all those other things like don't do detox teas detox teas are stupid you don't need to go on a cleanse so calling out really obvious stuff but then selling you a solution like I don't Mm. know I find this so interesting because when you dissect some of what you might say or I might say um or anyone else really in the anti-diet space and you compare that to what a lot of um, big accounts who are pushing weight loss and, and whatever some of the things we say are exactly the same. Like you say, we all bash skinny teas. We all bash um, meal replacement shakes. We all bash these things because they, because they're fundamentally bullshit, right? Um, but within that, beyond all those layers, beyond all the bashing, beyond all the myth busting, you've got to see the person or the accounts or you know the fitness influencers motives what are they ultimately selling and they might not be selling a product or a service but they're pushing their content and that has an underlying motive um I see this a lot it's even like um I got shared in a um in a post the other day by someone from a love island who was talking about cellulite and someone sent me the post and I was reading the post and I was like this is a great post you know she's saying you know, embrace cellulite, you know, it's natural, all women have it. And then I got to the end of the post and it was like, but if you really want to get rid of cellulite, this is what you do. Um, and I, and someone was saying, what's your opinion on this? And I was like, it's so funny to me because I was reading this post thinking someone had shared it saying, this is great. This is what you talk about. But the end of the message is saying, but let's still get rid of it because it's not desirable because we all hate it because, you know, X, Y, and Z even though the first half of it is saying it's natural, it's part of our bodies, you know, it's not even a thing. All people have it, la, la, la. Um, And that was a really good example of um, kind of tricking and alluring you in by seeming like it's not diet focused, but then it is and it it hits you at the end. Um, And that's why it's so confusing. It is so confusing. Um, And I don't really know what the answer is, but I guess right now with the state that things are in, and how confusing it is in, rather than just take everyone's word as gospel, including my own, including everyone's you follow, um, take take time to really break it down before you put someone on a pedestal. I don't think we should be putting anyone on pedestals anyway. Okay. Um, but I think before you start to use someone as your direct source of good information, um, really take time to digest because you could read one thing. It's like, you know, some of the we all know the bigger people in the industry that have really loud voices and big mouths. Um, and you could read one of their posts and it's empowering for women. And it's like, Oh great. You know, we shouldn't care about stretch marks. Cool. But then you read the next one and it's misogynistic as fuck and it gets confusing. So we just have to be better. I think at spotting these red flags and taking time to digest, okay, what are they really pushing rather than look at this shiny post that talks about empowerment and throws around these buzzwords um it's just taking time it's also really interesting because it's being it's I think and I want to know your thoughts on this as people who've been in this industry particularly I suppose we're particularly talking about the UK we're both based in London um and I think this does kind of seep into you know other countries as well I'm seeing a trend of to explicitly say that you're selling a diet to specifically say that this is about weight loss um, is becoming increasingly uncool um, and becoming increasingly like icky. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of us are kind of where we are, where this conversation around 
you know, a non-diet approach, a more holistic approach to health is like becoming a little bit more mainstream. And I wonder if that's partly being in an echo chamber. So I would also love your thoughts on that. Um, But as those two things are happening, I'm I'm sensing a shift in the industry. Um, But that means that these these people and companies have to um, have to be sneakier. It's like an obvious example of this is the Weight Watchers rebrand to um, Wellness Works. WW, that's it, Wellness Works, WW. Um, Because they didn't want to be specifically about, you know, the Weight Watchers message, but it's now wellness. And and I, I think what we're getting at is like, if the ultimate goal is a before and after photo. Um, that's a thing. But yeah, I wonder if your thoughts, like, do you sense the, that that a shift is happening within health and fitness discourse, like in the whole of the industry? Um, and yeah, what do you think this is a result of maybe an echo chamber I may be in? Um, um, I think there are so many segments of the fitness industry, so it's, it's hard to, to comment directly, but I think at least within the circle that I've had contact with over the last seven years, which includes, you know, when I was in my more sort of weight loss focused world, I really, I really think it has become uncool for people to say it's a diet. Um, and I see, you know, fitness influencers who are kind of pushing meal plans, they're pushing, um, you know, plans for weight loss, but they're now using um, an array of body shapes in their advertising, which is great to see diverse body shapes, but the product itself is still putting clients on a meal plan. Um, And I also always love to make it clear, I I do not bash anyone that wants to lose weight. I, I, I could not care. If you want to lose weight, go follow that because who am I to sit here, especially as someone who is not in a marginalized body to be like, you guys are wrong for losing weight. You, you need to do what you need to do. Um, however, I have made the decision as a coach to not be in that world. It doesn't excite me to, to help people lose weight essentially. And I recognize a huge problem in diet culture and the obsession and fixation with weight loss is one of those or the main factor, in my opinion, um, that I take issue with. It's not the people that want to chase it. We're all in the same uh, society here. Um, we're all facing the same pressures. So if someone wants to do that, that's fine. Um, so when I talk about weight loss as bad, I'm not saying you're bad for wanting to lose weight. I'm just commenting on my own practice and the way the industry is. And um, I think, yeah, I think for me, it's, it has become uncool. And I think that's where, like you say, people are becoming sneakier and that's where we are seeing the lifestyle changes. That's where we're seeing, you know, it's about daily habits and and forming habits and rituals, but those rituals are monitoring your calories every day or sticking within your calorie target every day. And they dress up as, you know, it's little daily habits, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the daily habits are diet focused behaviors. Um, and that's where the, the water gets so muddied. Um, but again, I think it goes back to that thing of um, unpicking what are people pushing? What is the, the service when you strip back the diverse body shapes on the adverts, when you strip back um, the pla- um, the marketing, the messaging, the wording? Uh, what is the bare bones of it? And if it is something that is centered around making your body smaller and that's not something that you want to be involved in anymore, then maybe that's not the person for you. Yes, because I I think that this is still going to exist. Like there's still going to be, and I think what you're saying is really important. And I just want to stress that when people say they're anti-diet, it is never anti-dieters or people who want to pursue intentional weight loss. That is your prerogative. You have total autonomy to do whatever you want. Um, I did a post recently about the pros and cons of doing that. And there are pros for people in like, as we say, like, you and I are both living in, in privileged bodies with thin, white, cis, like, there's so many things that we could not understand about the, you know, weighing up whether you want to do that or not. And I had some really interesting comments in that post I did recently from people who were sadly being denied medical treatment unless they went on a diet. 
And, yeah. and that's that's a very real thing that people have to face. And so, you know, I don't think that's fair. And I think there are non-diet, so like not necessarily solutions, but non-diet options to explore there. But I, and I think it's unfair that medical treatment is being withheld from people. Yeah. Um, but I totally get that if I was told, you know, if I was in a position where, you know, I either am allowed to do IVF or not, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't understand or judge anyone in that position. Yeah. Um, and so it's always anti-diet industry, yes. anti-diet culture, anti-diet, anti the people who are making billions of profit from creating insecurities and trying to sell you a solution, who are marginalizing, further marginalizing bodies by saying that thin is better. Yeah. And, you know, telling us that weight loss is the ultimate pursuit for happiness, success and health. And that, you know, that should always be our ultimate goal. That's what, that's what the anger is directed towards. Yes. It's not directed towards the people who do that. Um, but, you know, the people who profit off of that, that's mm. what I personally have an issue with. And I think, um, and I think it's important to make that like clear um, yeah. because I don't want people to listen to this because like you say, it's taken us a long time to get to this point. So we can, you know, I think that's really important to say. Um, yeah. And similarly, I, cause I think there needs to be nuance and like shades of gray in this conversation. I think that there are some people within fitness who, there's some people in fitness, their personalities, I'm like, you seem like such a lovely person. I completely disagree with your message around fitness, <laughs> but I really like you. Yeah. And I think it's really hard to hold those two things sometimes because yeah. I think my black and white brain wanted to go, all people who promote diet culture are bad people. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, well, these people are actually human as well. And they have, a, they have absorbed the same messaging that I have. And they have felt maybe greater pressures than I have to look a certain way to whatever. And so you know, I have some compassion for that and, you know, some empathy. Like I say, I'm still annoyed about this whole, like, making a ton of money off of trying to tell people that, you know, like, jiggly arms are wrong and that they can give you the workout to solve that. But I think this idea of, like, us versus them, uh, I don't know is is going to lead us towards a, I don't know, and once again, <laughs> I think it's important to say in this discussion, I suppose I have the privilege to view it that way. And if I felt, and if I was, say, in a plus size body and with recent discussions around the Cosmopolitan cover, which if people haven't seen, Cosmo UK had an awesome cover that featured um, Callie Thorpe, who is a plus size blogger, um, that if I thought that my humanity was up for debate, that, you know, my existence was up for debate, I can totally understand completely steering clear of that. And personally, I find, I too find that abhorrent. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I'm speaking a lot of thoughts and I would love to hear your take because like I say, I've always felt that you've had a really fair, clear view of these things. Mm, I love, I love all of what you said. And I think the Cosmo article is a really prime example of, um, something that has caused uh, debate between um, the two sides or even the, the formation of firmer sides. Um, I've had many conversations with my friends in the industry about this. And I think for me, I, again, I did an email. I'm doing an email a day, so I'm, I'm writing all everything in my, in my bloody emails. But um, I talked about how about a year ago, I, I actively made a post saying I don't want to be called anti-diet. The reason being for this is that a year ago, I felt that it was becoming way too dogmatic in thinking. And um, there were gatekeepers for anti-diet in that, you know, if you're anti-diet, you cannot support weight loss. If you're anti-diet, you know, you can't do this. You can't say that. And I just felt so overwhelmed with it. I was like, I don't want to be part of it. I just want to do my own thing. I just want to run my business with my community. And I just want us to do our own thing. Um, now, though, as with anything, things change, things grow, things evolve. And I am in the position now where I feel like the anti-diet community has expanded. There is more gray space. There are more people 
who are involved in the movement with um who are able to have conversations that are more nuanced and because of that i'm happy to to, to use the label and use the term whether that's going to be a long-term thing for me i don't know but right now i am happy to say i'm anti-diet um but yeah i think that the main thing for me is that um when people ha- make arguments against anti-diet they're not reading the articles. They're not reading the research. They're not learning about health at every size. They are literally cherry picking article names, words, two words, in fact, three words, this is healthy, um, above an image and, and taking issue at that. If someone has done all the research, if they've read all of the studies, if they've read all the articles and they've looked at all of the media and they've listened to the people in the articles and their experience, listened to experience of people who are in bigger bodies, if they then have an argument against anti-diet culture, I would love to hear it. And maybe we can have a lovely nuanced conversation. It might be, it might help me, you know, but all I'm seeing a lot of the time is people just cherry picking headlines. And, you know, this is what the Daily Mail does. And we're all really good at bashing the Daily Mail. We're all really good at bashing skinny tea. We're all really good at bashing these diet shakes. But when there's an article about being anti-diet, all we do is take the headline and we run with it and we cherry pick what the movement is trying to say and that's where I struggle um and you know I've read so many takes on this Cosmo article and who's actually reading Callie Thorpe's Instagram post about her experience who's reading that and it's just um again it kind of just highlights the fat phobia um within the society that we live in and that was just a a, that was a, a really good example but for me, I I personally feel like this aside, the anti-diet community and, and being able to have more nuanced conversations is something which is happening. I feel like we're moving in the right direction. Um, and again, I'm saying this is someone who is probably in a very small echo chamber as much as I try to, to, to follow different accounts and different opinions. But um, I feel like we are moving forward if even at a slow pace agreed I I do feel that there is progress in that and personally I see that as someone like you who does have the platform the um the community the knobs community and the work that you do and I think particularly in the UK like you you have a certain level of clout and it's really interesting to see you and other bigger influencers saying, really taking a stand on this and saying, actually, I'm going to be doing stuff a bit differently. Um, and, you know, the people who choose to follow that have a choice whether they, they want to get on board with that or whether they want to go and follow other people. But as you say, I think I, I have to agree with you. And, you know, I've got a lot of messages in my inbox this week asking me about the kind of weight and health debate we have done a podcast on it with Dr Joshua Woolrich which I really appreciate his level of nuance there like he he's he's really um looks at all the perspectives um Mm. so I'd recommend people going to listen to that and I will pop a link in the um show notes but I do yeah I do think that it's hard to have a true discussion about something that people don't fully understand similarly with the framework of intuitive eating and you know people yeah. saying it's just <gasps> eat what you want oh. and it's and not understanding that there's like I'm currently doing further intuitive eating training and as of 2020 there are over 140 studies now so um there's been more published in in 2020 and there's so like there's so many levels to this and this work hasn't just popped out of nowhere Mm. intuitive eating as an example the framework has been around for 25 years literally Um, and people you know there's some and I think to to kind of make like you say to have a to put your take out there when you've literally seen some Instagram posts and some tweets is isn't fair and isn't I don't know, isn't giving maybe the discussion the respect it deserves. And I think for me, and, and maybe I wonder that if people did do all the research that they probably, they may want to change their mind or they may feel challenged. And I think that's what people avoid, therefore avoid doing. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a big fear. I think it's almost like 
you know, if you're in school and you've kind of got the cool kids and then you've got the not so, you're the losers or whatever. Um, and it kind of feels like there's this uprising at the moment. And I think people, the cool kids, are just getting a little bit scared that what they say is going to become no longer uncool. And that's when people throw around the things of, oh, you can't say anything these days because, you know, if someone gets upset, you can't, you know, when we're adding nuance to the conversation, that's when people get defensive and they get upset when people say, how about we don't use that language or how about we don't use that phrase anymore? How about we don't talk about cheap meals or, you know, good and bad foods or whatever. Um, people get really defensive and they think that we're being too liberal and too sensitive. And, um, but you know, when you feel attacked, you know, when, when I made a mistake or someone's told me I've done something wrong, my initial reaction usually is, Oh, Oh shit. How do I defend myself? And then, your second thought is, okay, let me listen. You know, if you have an argument with someone, you maybe argument with your partner or whatever, your initial thing is, how do I protect myself? Because I feel like I'm being attacked. But then hopefully you learn the skill set to listen and think, okay, is there truth in what's being said to me? Can I take something from this? Do I need to apologize? Um, and that's a life skill that we're not really taught really in many places. And it's totally understandable that a lot of people feel attacked, especially when you say, you know, the point you made earlier is some people who are pushing diet culture, their intentions are actually not bad. It's just what they've, this, what they've known. They've got bad information. They've got bad information. Yeah. And, um, of course you're going to feel attacked if you think you're making a difference. I used to, when I post my calorie comparisons, if someone came along and was like, Hey, why, you know, what about this? And I'd be like, no, I'm doing a really good thing. I made this amazing, pretty Instagram post. And I wrote down all these really useful things. to me bloody hours to do. Um, and I'd, I'd feel really, like, attacked whenever anyone would comment a different opinion. Now, it's a totally different story, you know. Um, but, I mean, I get the opposite comments now. What about this? Or, you know, what about calories? And, uh, but um, it's, it's a skill set. It's a skill set not responding or, or, or allowing yourself to feel attacked, you know? Yeah, I'm the kind of person where, like we've said before, if people are like really interested in genuinely asking questions and having a discussion, I will respond. Um, and, and I'm open to having conversation. Um, in the instance of sharing this Cosmo article and, you know, sharing my thoughts on it, um, having people who I've worked with send me... <laughs> just massive essays of the reasons they disagree because you know some people have no intention of listening to what you have to say or no intention of of hearing it and I think personally that's when I put boundaries in place and go do you know what I don't like I know I've done the research I know I'm willing to take on board new information as it presents to me um is my energy going to be used well in trying to convince this person who clearly doesn't want to be convinced yeah worth it yeah that is and I think that goes the same whether that's us responding to people in our dms or whether that's having conversation with your family members or with your friends saying like are these people even open to hearing a different perspective because if they're not um you have to you know you it's not our job to convert everyone and the idea you know it's not our job to save everyone from diet culture yeah actually I actually think I take a bit of an issue with that in general and that kind of like savior complex that I've definitely had but I'm kind of more aware of it like oh okay people need to figure this out on their own in their own time in their own way Uh, and maybe you feel the same with the work you're doing with mobs and you know your newsletter this month like I'm just going to put the information out there you do that you know you do with that what you will but you know I think as well, I mean, I'm totally with you on the um, who am I going to give my energy to? And that's something um, I've learned maybe in the past year or so. I don't really get many negative comments. The, the level of negativity that I get will usually be someone reacting poorly to a post that I've done, which has triggered something in them. Um, it's never, you know, you've you know, I hate your face or I hate your voice or you're so annoying. It's not really that. Um, so, but I do get these comments that will be so like, they'll take one tiny thing I've said and they'll expand on it and, you know, disagree with it. And 
again, I, I pick and choose. Sometimes I respond. And other times it's just like this person doesn't actually care. They don't actually care. Yeah. Um, and often what will happen is someone from my community will have that energy and want to respond and then they have a conversation. That's that. But um, yeah, for me, I even with DMs, you know, I will, I'm like you, you know, if I talk about a slightly more controversial topic, I will get messages from people and um, I'm in control over who I choose to debate with. You don't owe, and this is anyone, not just influencers, you don't owe anyone your energy. Um, If they're coming to you um, and they're trying to engage with you, you have the choice to whether you respond or not. Um, And yeah, with the family member thing, one thing that is is hard i think especially for for us of our of our kind of age group millennials is that our parents have had such a different exposure to fitness and different perceptions mm-hmm. on fitness i mean i don't know about you but my mum before i got into what i do she just thought the gym was like what people do if they want to lose weight um but also just mostly for men that's what men do women don't really go to the gym and that was her mindset for years um and exercise isn't something you really need to do unless you are trying to lose weight um so it's you're battling you know 40 odd years or more of of conditioning from a totally different time period so you can't you can't expect yourself to be able to convert your parents they also don't use social media mostly in the way that we do so we've grown up with it you know but they haven't and that's okay I feel really fortunate that my mum has never re- never been on a diet that I'm aware of, um, has never really, equally never had stepped into a gym until I started working in one. Um, so I feel really fortunate in that sense because I do know that so many people, a lot of their um, complicated relationship with food and exercise and their body does stem from from childhood, like so much of our, <laughs> so much of our shit essentially that we have mm-hmm. to deal with. Um, but it's interesting that, you know, I I always kind of say, I always find it really interesting that despite that, despite not even having that exposure as much as, you know, at home, I still felt that pressure at school, especially at drama school. And I still ended up essentially having an eating disorder. So sometimes you, you know, it's, you know, we can we're exposed so much like this is such a strong message and that's why I do think you know making a shift online and putting out content that does ask for a new narrative around fitness um that was something I really wanted to get across in my book was the idea of people thinking like exercise is only for weight loss because what that does is that you know it stops people doing it because they're like well I don't want to lose weight I can't be bothered which is essentially like my family experience and actually there's so many benefits to exercise and if you knew it wasn't about weight loss and that it could be fun and enjoyable and could be varied and you know there are so many different ways to move your body then if we you know if there was an opportunity for more people to move their bodies wouldn't the benefit be so great like we know the benefit to regular physical activity is so great for your you know physical and most importantly mental well-being um and I, that's, that's one of the things I'm most angry about with diet culture is you took that away from so many people because so mm. many people would love to move their bodies. Um, and if they knew it wasn't about weight loss, they would enjoy it a, a whole lot more and B, more people would feel included and welcome and seen. And, mm. and that's what really pisses me off. <laughs> mm. Do you know what, Tally? I really loved what you said as well about at the start of the podcast when you said, the reason why a lot of us kind of in the anti-diet space um, start out by focusing on weight training and we still do, you know, with knobs, I focus on weight training because I really like weight training, but how much of my like for weight training was kind of born out of initially feeling like that's all I had to do. Um, And, you know, we're talking about train happy moments. My, my train happy moment is that I started cycling three months ago and it has literally changed my my mental health. I feel like it's changed my life. I love my bike so much. And um, that is cycling something that I would never, ever, ever have done unless I just tried it in lockdown, unless I just got on that bike and just gave it a go. If gyms were still open, I would not be 
cycling right now but it's brought me so much joy that I could never get from a gym um and yeah it's 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 just so important to not just view fitness as this one one style one thing that you like it's so it's just movement and movement can go can can come in any kind of form you want it to but you have to be open to trying it with no judgment no judgment um I want to hear more about cycling and why it's so great oh I just think it's so refreshing to like you say to talk about fitness and and maybe not talk about the gym yeah it's uh, I again I, I was talking about this the other day and I think I still love weight training and again it's a huge part of of what I do and I love teaching people how to weight train um but cycling it's just that freedom especially in lockdown right now um having my bike being able to get on the road and also I feel so confident and capable when I'm cycling because for me the fear was I can't cycle in London it's too scary the roads are too scary um being able to overcome that barrier has been amazing. And I still get nervous. Like I still, you know, when there's a lot of cars around or it's kind of dark, I'm like, Oh, I'm on, I'm on edge. I'm a natural worrier as well. So I have to really like, Oh, I think this car that's like a few meters away is going to hit me. Um, but I feel so accomplished and capable. And that feeling is something that I would never have got if I hadn't started a new kind of training because that when you're new at something and you're learning something um it's just you feel so capable and in the gym I've been weight training for years I'm never going to get that that exact same feeling as what I have got from cycling from the gym I've done that I've been there and passed that um so that's just been an amazing thing something new for me are you investing in lycra are you getting all the all the gear are you going to enter some sort of race? Some <laughs> triathlon? Do you know what? I, yeah, I'm going to be a triathlete now, guys. That would be hilarious. But I'm um, going to help, by the way, just when you do sign up for a triathlon, <laughs> I think <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what's really funny? I'm the least competitive <laughs> person. This clip. Yeah, this is going to be like the pre, but I'm, I'm the least competitive person ever. I, I hate competition. I'm not, I was not sporty in school. I hate any kind of competition with anyone else. Um, the psyche on that is, I don't know, maybe it's fear of failure, I don't know. But that aside, I honestly, like cycling has brought out this new thing in me. I've got my lights, I've got my helmet, I've got my gloves. I'm going to get one of those like base layer things. I've got my padded shorts. I'm fully embracing it. I'm going all out and it just... I'm loving just having this new thing. I get excited to go on the bike. You're making me want to do it because obviously I teach spin. I love the spin bike. And in London, we get um, Santander bikes or I call them Boris bikes. Um, And I like to, I've been riding them around over Christmas and I overcame the fear of traffic in London because it genuinely is terrifying. So I totally relate to that. But um, my partner, Jack, loves the road bike. and you know he's got some friends that he works with and they've got really into it this year because it has been like that one thing you can do and interestingly enough he and his friends they they really love it and enjoy it and like you say having previously like Jack's the kind of person that forces himself to go to the gym it's his absolute last resort to work out that's the least favorite place he wants to go he wants to play sport he wants to swim cycle run you know do pull-ups in the park he does not want to go in the gym really he's not that fast on it um and it's been so nice to see other people really find their movement that works for them when the gym's closed and I think that's the other part like you say like where where this narrative around fitness is doing us a disservice and where this idea of always chasing you know and I'm using quotation marks results-based fitness and results meaning it has to have an aesthetic or weight outcome it means that we deny ourselves trying these fun this fun stuff um because we're thinking like oh but it doesn't burn enough calories or oh is this the best use of my workout time um and that's why you know I'm just so adamant that the best workout is the one you most enjoy because then you want to do it and you feel good and like what's not to love it doesn't um you know and that's where calories cannot convey how you feel doing it 
you know oh. your heart rate just because it raises your heart rate is it actually it sounds so cheesy just because it's raising your heart rate is it raising your spirits love that <laughs> love that <laughs> put that on a mug yeah <laughs> um and I think it's just like you say important to kind of explore those options outside the gym oh. is there anything else you'd like to try um well I've started I bought a skipping rope as well I'm fully embracing myself in these kind of slightly less um well non-weight training focused movement um styles and I followed this girl on TikTok and she does tricks with the skipping rope and she has have you she's she's amazing she has like beaded ropes and I was watching her videos and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to, I'm going to get a skipping rope. So I got a skipping rope. I've been doing like 10 minutes of skipping every now and then. Um, but I want to, I want to start learning tricks. I'm currently training myself just to not stop every like five seconds. Cause that's what's happening. I keep getting my, my, my rope stuck. Um, but once I've nailed that, I'm going to start learning tricks. That's another thing. Um, and it's just the most fun. It's just, I'm having the best time exploring um other means of fitness and you know I always say to people and I have done for the past couple of years only pick a style of training that you like you know don't do things you don't like and for me I've always liked the gym um but that doesn't mean I can't like other things as well now and lockdown has made me um explore that more so yeah it's really exciting and I think sometimes when when we say you know try different styles why don't you try dancing like you or you know running or whatever sometimes people find it as like we're just being a bit patronizing being a bit like oh just do something a bit more soft or whatever but that's not the case it's literally changing your perspective from growing your glutes in the gym doing you know hip thrusts to moving your body in a way that genuinely fills you with so much joy inside when you finished it might be hip thrust but it also could be so many other things as well um and take it from me as someone who's just discovered these other new ways that I've fallen in love with. It's the best feeling. It's genuinely like it changes your entire, um, it's changed my mental health in such a positive way in just two months. So I do very much recommend it. Yes, strongly recommend doing, like you say, what you enjoy. And I think, and I think, you know, I'm thinking of the times that I have seen content online where it's been like, don't do spin classes. Spin classes are stupid. And there's people out there who will just essentially poo-poo any <laughs> kind of workout that they don't, like they say, they don't deem, you know, results driven. Oh. And they'll make these um, videos where they're making outlandish statements and they want to be controversial. So they'll start, um, slagging off this person's class and there's people who take some people's workout videos and recreate them to make fun of them essentially and I think funnily enough a lot of these people doing this are male mm-hmm. and um, I think it's like you say I think even if it's done you know in all good fun sometimes it's done I think genuinely of a place of kind of ego but I think mm-hmm. what these things are doing are they're stopping people finding what they enjoy and they're stopping people from actually um, enjoying the health benefits of regular movement because mm. it's like, if I don't have access to a gym, if I can't do this, then I'm clearly not doing it properly. So what's the point? Mm. I, yeah, with, with those videos, I can't, I just don't find it funny. Like, even if I was more in that world, I just don't get why it's funny. And like, I feel like I ha- I love my sense of humor, right? I just don't find that funny. I just don't get, people love them. And I just think it's a bit fucking mean. And I think people are so quick to make videos on other people, based on other people, about other people, forgetting that it's literally a person. That's yes. an actual person. And the same people will be the first people to be like, yeah, we need to look after our, you know, advocates for men's mental health let's talk about men's mental health and they'll get all the claps everyone's oh thank you for talking about this and then the next post is literally tearing into someone else and it's like I can't I struggle to see um I struggle to see how it makes sense and um I get you know I laugh at things online things are funny Mm. you know sometimes people's misfortune can be funny 
you know, I'm not. I've, I'm laughed, not... At, I've laughed at quite a few TikToks recently of people sliding around on the ice. Love. I find what, that so funny. One of my favorite things. <laughs> that is one of my favorite things. I have to say, it's one of my favorite things. But that's not attacking someone's um, personal choices. It's not attacking the way someone's moving their body. It's not attacking what someone looks like. Really, it's just attacking. Well, it's not really attacking. It's just making mockery of something funny and mis- misfortunate that's happened. But I, I can't. I just don't get that whole world, and I've, I've very much distanced myself from it. Um, and I feel so much better for it. Um, cause for a while I'd kind of, you know, cause I talk about myth busting. I talk about skinny teas. I very much used to get lumped in with that kind of, um, those kinds of, of accounts. Um, and I feel like because I'm not so much being lumped in anymore, I feel like that's kind of a nice, um, example of me doing my own thing now and not just following what everyone else is doing just because it's cool you know Mm. and I suppose tying a bow on I suppose talking about this Cosmo cover um in that and making the point of a lot of these people making these um videos that can feel mean and you know at their worst they feel bullying um these and that the irony that they're talking about health and totally disregarding the people, the person and the people's mental health with whom they're directing their, you know, objections, um, you know, it's important we address weight stigma on this podcast. And, you know, we try and do that with different conversations with various people. And like you say, when you listen to these people's lived experience, when you hear the toll it has on someone's mental health to constantly have their existence being debated, Um, And whether that be on Good Morning Britain or in a newspaper headline on the Daily Mail or on social media, um, that isn't going to that isn't going to make anyone physically or mentally feel good. And that isn't going to lead, you know, that shame is not going to lead to um, lasting um, choices that result in health promoting behaviours, which is Mm. ironically what these people are arguing against. Mm -hmm. And that's what really gets me is that, so if, that yeah, I, I could make a whole other podcast on this and I'm hoping to, so watch this space. Um, but I really appreciate your perspective on this, Lucy. Okay, where can everyone find you, Nob's Guides, um, <laughs> Nob's Newsletter, is that what we're calling it? <laughs> Nob's Mail. Um, no, I, well, you can find me at Lucy Mountain on Instagram and knobs on instagram is knobs guides but the main place for knobs is really facebook and that is the team knobs uh facebook group which everyone is welcome to join um and can you just quickly explain the name knobs because i think i think we understand that we haven't really given it any context throughout this whole chat yeah okay so this is something that I really enjoyed explaining to my um my accountant and and etc but it's it's basically (laughs) it it is knobs it is knobs that's what it is it's n-o-b-s but it's born out of um the words no bullshit and then it kind of got brought down to being no bs and then we just thought let's just call it knobs so we closed the gap and we're just knobs now um but that's where it comes from it comes from no bullshit please tell me it's like knobs limited Please tell me. It's not Nobs Limited, no. Oh, it for it was for a while. It was Nobs Fitness for a while, but we did we did change it. Um, but there was a lot of interesting conversations with uh, legal teams on getting that um, established. So it's a good time. Every time I mention it, it's a good time. It's a it's a great combo. It is a great a good icebreaker. Yeah, it is. Lucy, it's been such a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. And that is it for this week's episode of the Train Happy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you took something away from this episode. And if you did, please let me know by sending feedback. You can find us on Instagram at Train Happy Podcast. Or even better, it would be amazing if you could rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you're listening, as it really, really helps to support and boost the Train Happy message. And remember, if you have had a recent moment where this stuff has just started clicking for you, then share your story with us via email, trainhappypodcast at gmail.com. 
to become the train happy trooper of the week. And if you have a burning question you would like me to answer, then please send those in too. And it may be answered in our bonus Q&A episodes. Once again, thank you for listening and I will speak to you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. Mm. 